Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. With me on this uh, Losers Monday, really is what it is, Scott, uh, is Scott Reynolds from PewterReport.com. We, losers Monday. I don't know if we should, hopefully, we don't have to do this again this year, but yeah, no fun. This was, yeah, 9-0 loss to the New Orleans Saints. We'll be breaking it down uh, today on the show and talking about some unfortunate injury news as well surrounding the Bucks and uh, how it affects the rest of the outlook on this season. But, Scott, before we dive on into this, let's let's stay on the positive track for a few more moments and let's talk about our friends over at Celsius. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. I'm rocking the orange sickle again today. I loved it so much last oh, night. I'm drinking it you. again today. Uh, look, no sugar and unbelievable taste in these things, Scott. Oh, look, look, look at I've that. Got. Yeah, this was, this was the morning Celsius. This is the current afternoon Celsius. There you go. Double there you orange go. today. So orange and orangeicle. Yeah. Rocking the orange flavors. Yeah. I mean, Celsius, there's so many different flavors. That's what makes it so great. You got tropical vibe and strawberry guava, all these different kiwi guava, your peach vibe. You've got so many different flavors that are all really, they taste great and they give you the Love energy it. you need to sustain you without the drop off and without the bad stuff. You get another energy drink. So make sure you check out Celsius. Uh, you can check them out, Celsius.com. Use the store locator, find out where they are near you, or uh, go to click on the banner ads at pewterreport.com and use the Amazon subscribe and save option. Get Celsius coming to your house with regularity um, John, because you, everybody needs those energy drinks. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to act like Celsius hasn't worked for me today. It has. I'm just 49 years old and I'm like super tired from last night. Okay. So I, I feel like I need, well, here's the thing. Like, this Celsius worked okay for me. It like woke me up and and I'm good. It's four o'clock, right? Mm -hmm. I'm good. I'm gonna go work out at the gym in about an hour, and I just wanted like an extra boost today. Now I realize that this is gonna keep me up till about two in the morning now, so I'm not gonna sleep tonight until later. But that's okay because we got a, a, a movie night planned with the kids. Probably do a double go. feature, so I'm not gonna be tired at all. There you go. Perfect. I love it. Um, no, I think that. You're exactly right. You know, again, we cover a sport for a living. Like we're not going to complain yeah. about our jobs or anything like that. We love it. Even the night yeah. games, but yeah, I mean, night games is usually by the time we get off the show and we get the content up and all up on the site, as people can see, if you go over to pewterreport.com, we've got a ton of, of, of articles up there. We've got like something like 15 articles up since the game ended or something like that. So there's yeah. lots of good content for people to sink their teeth into or, 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 you know, cry about i guess if it's in, in the situation we're about to talk about so we definitely yeah. appreciate that and then we're up early to get snap counts up and mailbag up as well so lots of good content encourage people to go check it out unfortunately one of those pieces of content is about chris godwin and uh his situation with his uh, with his uh knee is that it is a torn acl if people haven't heard and they're jumping into the show for whatever reason uh chris godwin has torn his acl and is done for the yep. year so it was not the sprained mcl that ian rapaport reported that it was earlier in the day instead the mri revealed that it was a torn acl for chris godwin so yeah. a devastating injury let's just talk about it from his personal perspective first and then move to yep. the buck side of things scott because obviously for chris godwin playing on the franchise tag he's about to hit free agency and this is kind of a, a huge deal for him because it happened at the end of the year especially like if it happened yes. in september or october i would just say i don't think it matters very much um, but I will say Bud Dupree, you know, he still got paid and his injury was maybe a little bit earlier, a week or two before Godwin. So you, there is some precedent there. There's a couple other cases you could kind of compare, I think, to Godwin's. I think Wes Welker's injury was somewhere around the same time. So you could compare some other injuries to his and say, okay, it's still going to be okay. But here's the difference, in my opinion. Bud Dupree was never going to reset the market. Like, good player. Yeah. He got paid fine. Right. And, and if Godwin gets paid fine, you know, everybody will understand why. But Godwin yeah. was about to not reset the market because he wasn't going to get to Hopkins, you know, Julio level. Right. But he was about to be one of the, you know, he could have been in the conversation pushed for with the cap going up, top five type receiver money. And now I just wonder if that is off the table for him. And if he takes a shorter deal, I, I wonder what happens with Chris Godwin's situation. Here's what I kind of know slash been told. Mm -hmm. um, and this is not like fresh information from today. This is information going back to the summer, going back to when Chris Godwin was given the franchise tag last year. The Buccaneers realized that Mike Evans is one of the selfless people in the organization, the most selfless probably on the whole team. Um, 
but they also want to respect his hierarchy, right? Because Mike Evans is a future Hall of Famer. He's got seven 1,000-yard seasons to start his, his career. That's never been done before. And he's on his way, hopefully, with, uh, you know, with his return sometime later this year. In one of these next three games, he can hit 1,000 yards and, and make that number eight. But with him making just over $16 million per year, and Chris Godwin with a franchise tag just under 16. The franchise ideally would like to, in the hierarchy of things, have Chris Godwin get the the 1A money, and uh, mm. Mike Evans get the 1A money, and Chris Godwin get the 1B money. Now, if Godwin were healthy, maybe he does kind of reset things, and, and maybe he still gets that you know that, that that coin. Maybe he gets 17 million per year, whatever. I don't think Mike Evans is going to complain. I don't. No, but I just, sure. I just I just think that the the Buccaneers ideally would like to kind of have that little bit of hierarchy there, and maybe this this injury happening now uh, allows that to happen. You know, we'll see. Uh, the good thing for Godwin is what he needed to do was get a thousand yards this year, because in in you know three out of the four years that he had played prior to the season, he had had one big breakthrough year. Back in 2019, he played 14 games that season and had 86 catches, 1,333 yards, nine touchdowns, and a career-high 15.5-yard average. Right. It wasn't like Chris Godwin had anything to prove last year because he's already proven he is the blocker that that uh, Bruce Arians wants and needs in the slot. And he's also that that receiver, right, that guy who is sure. playing that Heinz Ward, Reggie Wayne, um, Larry Fitzgerald type role in his offense, but last year only played in 12 games, 65 catches, 804 yards, seven touchdowns. So there, there, there was a, well, can, can Godwin, is he a thousand yard receiver is here? Like, well, especially because remember receiver. last year, his, I, I think his numbers per game were like even better than this year. I want to say I'll have to run the numbers again and double check, but remember he missed four really more than four he missed four complete games but he was Correct. also knocked yeah, out of concussion two ones before yeah the he end. had a concussion he had um, the broken uh, finger yeah. you know and, and and i believe he had a hamstring injury as well so the, you know yeah. listen he's a tough player he's a physical player but yeah. the great thing for godwin is he suited up for all the games and then gets hurt in in this one here and you know that wasn't his fault, right? It's, it's yeah. not like that was that was a conditioning thing where he pulled a hamstring, whatever. And listen, hamstring injuries they can just pop up. I mean, you saw mm -hmm. that with Fournette and Mike Evans. Yeah. But I think Chris Godwin did what he needed to do this year, which is to prove that he is a one thousand yard plus receiver, not an eight hundred yard guy like he had been in twenty eighteen and like he finished last year with eight hundred eight hundred and forty yards. And uh, and I I think all is going to be well for Chris Godwin moving forward. Yeah, here's where it gets interesting with Chris Godwin, Scott. You mentioned some of the money that you were throwing around there talking about it. You know, Evan right now is on an average per year deal, 16.5 mil. That was deal yeah. was given out years ago. And so years ago, yeah. there is there is no way Evans Evans understands the market. Like he understands the fact that yeah. the market changes and turns over. And so Chris right. Godwin is almost certainly going to make more than Mike Evans on a per year basis, whether it's from the Bucks or somebody else. You know, if you look at wide receiver contacts, contracts given out more recently than Evans' contract, you're looking at you know comparable ones: Keenan Allen and Amari Cooper making 20 mil per year on average. And Chris Godwin is absolutely in the conversation with Keenan Allen and Amari Cooper. Maybe yeah, you could he say he's not in the healthy Hopkins conversation or Julio when he was in his prime when right. he got paid when they were at the 27, 22 per year that they're making. But in the 20 mil per year, that's where the conversation starts. For if, for if Godwin's fully healthy, hits the market, I think that's where his conversations start or in that 19 to 20 mil per year type of yeah. range for him. Now it just is he still in that range where he'd be, you know, in the conversation with those other with the Keenan Allen's, the yeah. Mark Coopers, Michael Thomas got 19 mil per year. All those have been more recent than Evans right. with the cap going back up. Now I think that's the question for Godwin is he still in those top tier? discussions or is he more in the where the evans tyler lockett Allen robinson range of like the 16 and a half to 17 right. and a half range I, I think that's that's a that's a great point and a, and a kind of a great question that will be answered this offseason when these two sides yeah. kind of you know go at it but at the same time 
I, I think Chris Godwin, there's a couple of things we can say about him. He loves being a Buccaneer. He wants to stay here, right? Yeah. And we even saw Shaq take less than market value to stay with the Buccaneers because he's such a, a great fit for the system. And I think that it's the same thing that holds true for Godwin. He knows he's a great fit for Bruce Arians' offense. He knows that. And he, he loves he loves catching passes from Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, where else are you going to go to get that money? That, that kind of remains to be seen, right? Is, is it Detroit? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, are you going to catch passes from Jared Goff? Or are you going to catch passes from Tom Brady? So I, I think there there's definitely some moving pieces. This will get solved in the offseason. I think Godwin definitely comes back, but you're right, John. At what price? Yeah. Because listen, you can go and we're going to be talking about this January and February quite a bit. Half of this team starters are for free agency. Half. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you thought last year was crazy with Mike Greenberg and Jason Light and Jackie Davidson uh, mm-hmm. re-signing all these guys or trying to, I mean, yeah. buckle up because it's going to be a, a, another ride, but this one's going to be much bumpier because a lot of these guys that are free agents are not going to be back. And so it's picking right. and choosing which guys will return and for how much. Right. I think that that's part of it is some of them, they won't want back, you know, especially depending on how right. the team finishes this year, there'll be some players that they don't want back. We'll get into free agency, obviously yeah. on, on a later podcast, but the Godwin thing. Yeah. The point is, is definitely received there that, you know, how, what his market is will obviously matter. And hopefully this injury doesn't send him back too much. The bottom line, I think either way, he's this guy's going to make a lot of money this offseason. You know, yeah, and he deserves nothing, it too. Right, he and, he, and he absolutely deserves it. He's that kind of a player. He's proven that now for a couple of years in a row. You know, his per game, whatever you ask him to do, he can do well. There's just such a market for him because he fits every team. He can right. play every role. Like there's just, again, like every team's going to be interested. So his market's still going to be very robust. I think he's still going to get paid. Will it be top level wide receiver money? We'll see. You know, he could, will he be in that 20 mil per year conversation? We'll see. Last thing I'll say about Godwin is that everybody who knows me, I think, knows. I feel like I can be very unbiased when it comes to analyzing. You know, ever, you know, people say, "Oh, you never knock this guy, or you knock this guy too much." Well, I come back around. And I give Leonard Fournette his props, and I come back around and I say, "Hey, last yeah. week Tom Brady should have made these throws." You know, we talk about it on YouTube, and we That's make right. sure we have a video and content up about it. We're always trying to be fair and unbiased. At the same time you're kidding yourself if you take the human element out of it as a, as a reporter, as a, somebody who covers the team. Sure. And a, there's a million dudes in the Bucks locker room that like, you know, you just absolutely love uh, character wise, yeah. but Godwin's at the top of that list. And even though you hate it to see it for any happen to anybody, you hate to see it happen to a guy like Chris Godwin oh, yeah. because he's just yeah. the best dude. Scott, everybody yeah. loves him. Great <laughs> yes. teammate. Uh, no drama. Yeah. Um, in, in some ways, John, he's a carbon copy of Mike Evans. I mean, those guys, honestly, they're like brothers from another mother. It's like they, that, you know, uh, Evans has taken Godwin under his wing when he first yeah. got here. And yeah. I mean, Godwin has just soaked up everything. Those guys from a charitable standpoint, from a play through pain uh, standpoint, through a development to a pro bowl level standpoint are really one in the same. They just mm-hmm. go about things differently. One's six foot five, the other one's, you know, six, one, six, two. <laughs> And one plays inside and one plays outside a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, although otherwise it's kind of the same guy. And, yeah, a lot of and they're both dynamic there. playmakers with mm-hmm. with great hearts for the community and for and, and just awesome teammates. Yeah. And now and we're gonna to see yeah. yeah. And now we're gonna see how the Bucks handle injuries to both of them. Evans' injury uh, to announced today was not gonna be a serious or long-term thing. It seems like Adam Schefter said he's got a chance to play this week. We'll see. Um, uh, hamstring injuries, you know, you think you want to be careful with Evans. There's a little bit of a history there. Fournette's did seem to be yes. a little bit worse. Rappaport also indicated Fournette's not that Rappaport is the guy to go to on this thing right now, but uh, he no, indicated yeah, I mean, Fournette's could be worse too, uh, yeah. given the fact that he could miss a game. And maybe the reason two, we're saying Rappaport that, said. and not to take shots at Rappaport, I mean, you and I both rely on him for credible information, but nobody's perfect. There's been no reporter right. that's never been wrong before, but certainly Rappaport, um, and maybe he went with what he was told, and I'm sure that was the case. Didn't get some good information apparently, but I mean, he came out earlier today and said that. Mm that Chris Godwin had an MCL sprain and that he was done for the regular season, but could be back for the playoffs. But then Bruce, you know, shocked everybody when he said ACL done for the year during yeah. his press conference at two thirty. So we'll wait and see what I've heard uh, in my digging at Peter reports with Evans is he has not even met with team doctors yet. And, uh, and okay. that's not uncommon because there is, there's a, um, there's a, a long line, right? After these games, <laughs> people that 
they kind of need to see the right. doctor. And also, too, sometimes uh, when you've got swelling, whether it's a knee, whether it's a hamstring, whatever, they want to wait uh, a day or two to get the swelling down so they can get a clear look mm. at that. Because, uh, and I, I've had a, a hamstring uh, tear before, and I'm no athlete, but but I, I did tear my hamstring really, really good a couple of years ago. And uh, it is, it's a tough injury. And they want to make sure, like, like to see what what grade of hamstring strain or tear yeah. it is, and, right. and that's that that's big because and you're right, John. Hamstring injuries are tricky injuries because you can feel like it's sore, and you can make one wrong cut or, or mm-hmm. hit the gas a little bit, you know, high and heavy, trying to you know break away from somebody, and all of a sudden it it snaps. And yeah, they they, they want to need Mike Evans back in January. Mm-hmm. They would like right. to have him back on Sunday. Yeah, they just want to be really – they're going to be careful with it for sure. No question. Carolina's tough, though. In the secondary, they're tough. They can blitz, too. They blitz a ton, and they get after – it's going to be a challenge for the Bucs' offense. Defensively, it should be performance very similar to the one we just saw, I think. But um, we'll see if that holds up. Carolina against Buffalo, and the the thing that really impressed me was they blitzed the hell out of – yeah, Josh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They really did. They yeah. got four sacks. They got 36 sacks on the season, 11 for Hassan Reddick, the new – Panther this year, mm-hmm. uh, nine or nine and a half for Brian Burns. So they've got some guys that can get after the quarterback. We'll talk right. about that but on Wednesday. Make sure you join us Wednesday mm-hmm. for our preview podcast. And also make sure uh, to hit the, the subscribe button and the like button. That helps us out on, on YouTube with your algorithms, right, John? Yeah, absolutely. Hit that like button. Hit that thumbs up if you're watching the show. Make sure you're subscribed to the Pewter Report YouTube channel as well. The Godwin injury, there's been a lot of conversation about whether it was a dirty hit or not, just amongst fans, and I'm definitely not going to wade into fan fighting on Twitter or say anything about it on there because I will be pulled into endless conversations (laughs) between fans ripping on each other for no reason at all. I'll just say that the injury is definitely not illegal, or the the hit was definitely not illegal. It's a legal hit. Bruce Aarons did bring up a good point today, and he said, you know, it's something we'll have to look at in the offseason is, you know, we're so worried about protecting guys' heads, which obviously everybody understands, including Arians. But the guys are, you know, giving getting hit in the knees instead, and so we're getting a lot of knee injuries. I agree with them. There's no perfect perfect way to go about it. It's pretty hard to ask defenders to do any. You know, it's just hard. It's a bang bang game. This is part of it. That sucks, but it's just part of it. I can't speak to the player's mindset. I just know that the hit itself. You know, there's nothing yeah. like dirty or illegal about the hit right. itself. It's just unfortunate that it happened with the timing that yeah. it happened with. And same thing with the Jameis injury. There was nothing exactly. dirty or illegal about that. It's just football, and it happens. And I yeah. know fans have to get these. Get these little wars started amongst each other. I confidence. really don't think it was a, a dirty hit. Um, no. it, it seemed to me it like there, there's a submarine tackle, right? I mean, there's there's where, where you you kind of go take out the guy's legs. It's not like you're trying to take out his knee per se. Yeah. But uh, a lot of times, trying to keep him uh, get the first down. Exactly. So, so sometimes that's, that's a lunge, and and it's you're trying to take yeah. the guy's you know, legs out to get him on the ground. Sometimes you're just diving, and guess what? Your shoulder. When you go to wrap up someone's legs, is is going to take them down, and it yeah. just so happened at that angle, it just hit Chris on the side of the knee. So. Right. John asks, "How much tougher is it now, and can the Bucks repeat without Godwin?" Let's get into this a little bit now. So Antonio yeah. Brown comes back. Obviously, he'll fill one wide receiver role. Let's just pretend for the sake of the discussion, since Mike Evans is probably. It sounds like he's only out a, a week, maybe uh, yeah. if if he's out at all. We'll see. Uh, but let's just say, let's put Evans back in there. He's in his normal spot. A.B., Godwin's role, Tyler Johnson, Brashad Perryman when he comes off the COVID list, which could yeah. be by Sunday. We'll see. How do the Bucks sort out this wide receiver group? To me, it, to me, it's kind of as simple as I think Tyler Johnson's going to step into Chris Godwin's role, yep. which I'll also say I think that although obviously losing Godwin is, is huge and devastating, there's no question, right. but for Tyler Johnson in a vacuum, this is probably his most ideal usage where he's been having to play when he's been out there with Chris Godwin which is right. most of the time because Godwin doesn't come off the field very often. He is having to play kind of a different role for them than he's probably best at. He's probably best as an inside receiver in the NFL. Not that he's going to be able to do everything Godwin's been able to do, but this is kind of what Johnson is. Asking to be an outside guy has gone pretty miserably. He's struggled to create separation. He yeah. doesn't push corners vertically and get, be able right. to break routes off back to the ball. And you saw as soon as he faced press man coverage, first snap of the game, Marshawn Lattimore, bodies him up and almost comes away with a pick because Johnson yeah. can't get any 
Uh, can't get any separation, can't get any leverage on his route at all. Just a, a horrible route and a horrible job getting off press coverage. So get him in those slot situations where he doesn't have to deal with that as much. And you're probably, you're actually probably going to get a more effective Tyler Johnson, which will also not be as effective as a normal Chris Godwin. No, I agree with you completely, John. And I think the thing too is, is Tyler Johnson for, for some of those shortcomings that you mentioned, John, he's, he's a, a really good blocker, right? I mean, he's, mm -hmm. he's a physical guy, whether it's outside or in the slot, and that's that's an area that where Chris Godwin never shows up on the stat sheet in terms of of getting um, uh, you know, blocks in the run game and et cetera. But but that's that's part of what makes Godwin special is that physicality inside. And so I think at the very least, that's going to be what is going to be called on for Tyler Johnson to do is do some of that blocking from the slot, you know, mm -hmm. cracking back on linebackers, you know, going out in safeties on those stretch run plays and trying to you know, lock them up and, and get Rojo. Listen, who had a really good game at Carolina last year. Granted, a lot of it came on a 98-yard uh, touchdown run, 97 yards, whatever it was. But uh, they're going to need to run the ball. You, you mm -hmm. can't go out there without Evans and Godwin and think that you're going to line up. And and I tell you what, uh, you kind of heard a little bit of remorse when I asked Bruce Arians on the conference call about because I asked him about Ronald Jones and I said, you know, why did you go away from Ronald Jones who did not get a touch or a target or a carry after the 13 minute mark, right? If you go back to that, that fateful third and one where they decided to run Keyshawn Vaughn into the line on third and one, he didn't get a yard. Mm -hmm. Rojo had a, a six yard carry before that and then a three yard catch. And then it was third and one. And that was at the 13 32 mark in the fourth quarter and Ronald Jones did not get a single touch after that. And this was the most productive player offensively in the game with 71 total yards, including 63 on the ground. So, uh, and, and the bucks were only down John six, nothing at that point in time. So to me, I, I, I would have liked to have seen the Buccaneers run the ball because they were not having success throwing the ball. The, the guys couldn't get open. Gronk was having an off day catching the ball. Brady was under pressure because of the coverage sacks. The offensive line was was mm -hmm. getting physically whipped up front on some of those sacks. Mm -hmm. So what they were doing and doing well was actually running the ball. But yeah, you just saw the Buccaneers just abandon that for whatever reason in the fourth quarter when they were trailing by six points. I mean, you need a touchdown drive and you go ahead seven to six. It's hard because what would happen a lot of the time is they would get a productive run, especially on first down, and they couldn't feel like they win second down. You know, they get a six yard yeah. run on first down. They ran it again on second down a couple times and they got like a loss or they got like a one yard gain. And then it's third and three. And now it's like, I don't know, third and three. Like they were Throw just in those in between situations. <laughs> Throw you know, deep on third and three. You know? Yeah, there was. Again, we we're gonna go. I'm gonna go through play calling in my Bucks briefing column on Wednesday. I have a section for it. I actually don't know how I feel. I know I feel about some things uh, and some things uh, both ways, but I don't know how I feel about a lot of it yet. I got to look at the second half. I think first half, honestly, I know everybody's gonna look at, but they just dropped the ball too much. I mean, Brady in the they first did. half yes. was what 16 to 23, and there were four drops probably in the first half. Yeah. So I mean. This is just not like to me. The first half was actually pretty good from a process standpoint. I didn't hate the first half. Right. I just hated the, some things in the second half from a process standpoint. But Scott, I think when you look at the wide receiver group right now, just because like we are trying to think forward to beyond this game, and and yeah. I wonder, I think there's going to be an element of Tyler Johnson replacing Chris Godwin like one to one, but yeah. also. I do think they are going to have to try and figure out how to replace some of the quick hitters, the screens and things like that. And yeah. I don't know if that's Tyler Johnson's thing as much. I mean, he can, he, he's definitely done it. Yeah. He can do it. I think it's Antonio Brown, John. Right. Because, I, and I, yeah. and using, so there's going to be some interchangeableness, I think between right. like AB is going to play some of the, do some of the things Godwin did. Right. But I think a lot of the inside work is going to be Tyler Johnson in these situations, too. No, I'm, I'm with you. Exactly. And but it will thing, be maddening, Scott, if if Tyler Johnson is playing more snaps than Antonio Brown. Just oh, yeah, because exactly. of the role. Like, it, well, it, they play different positions. If Bruce says after the game, I'm going right. to be like, no, dude, like yeah. this can't happen. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. This can't it, happen. You have to wonder, John. I mean, they got to find something for Jalen Darden to do. Right. I, oh I am losing God. faith in this I guy. Some, I have something for him to do. Yeah. <laughs> Sit at the bench. <laughs> sure. Okay. All right. So you're on the record. Spot. Sit on the bench. I second that. 
uh, listen, this guy's not impressed me outside of one pun return, right? We had a long pun return. I, I just not impressed by him in the return game. And he really struggles to run routes and run them effectively. And also struggles to catch the balls we saw in Washington. Oh, he had a perfectly my. thrown Tom Brady pass bounce off his hands and, and, and into the arms of a Redskin uh, defensive back. Guy's so, trying to sabotage Tom Brady's MVP campaign this year. Yes. No doubt. No, I'm um, kidding. Brady I mean, Dar- he's a he's a young player, and I don't yeah. want to be too hard on him. Obviously, right. you know, there's but I'm just saying, that- if you're trying to find something for him to do, right, and you think that he can be a little A B ish, then put him in that wide receiver screen game, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, listen, he's not the guy you want out there blocking, right? <laughs> you know, he's he's not that wide receiver no. that's going to post up a corner as as A B is is getting the ball on a yeah. wide receiver screen. You don't want You'd that. You'd love to use him in that capacity. You're right. right. So it's get just, him the ball in that and see if he can make he, some guys miss. Can he keep his feet? You know, I mean, you're right. That's ideally that's the usage for him. But if he can't be effective there, it goes back to your question: What do they find for Jalen Darden to do? Like it's yeah. that like that gift from what's it called where they're like, what exactly do you do here? Like that's what it's going to be done with Darden at some point here. Now, Scotty Miller factors back into the equation here too. And again, obvious there's, it goes without saying that the, the Godwin thing is a loss, like period. It's just a loss. Like, right. You know, it's, 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 it's a negative. You're not going to ever be a po- at positive after you lose a player like that. But I think as having a player like Scotty Miller now back in the mix of things a little bit could, could help. You know, he was the one player, and I'll be curious what my observations are when I go to the tape, but I felt like when we were getting replays, like Scotty Miller was was beating the corner vertically, and then the safety was coming over to help. And so it was like, okay, he's taking two defenders. He's playing Mike Evans' role, and the Saints are defending him like they defend Evans, because why not, given the fact that they're just trying to prevent a big play, and he's a big play guy. And, like, I'm just not sure how much else Scotty was supposed to do, given the role that he was playing in this game. I think the other guys, you know, things were opening up for the other guys. You saw Darden one-on-one several times, but it was, you know, it was Lattimore just clamping, you know what I mean? And they just doubled Scotty with everybody else. So it, I don't really put it in as an indictment of Scotty as much as some of the other guys, but again, it's not really an indictment of anybody so much as it is. The saints are probably a top secondary in the NFL and you're without, you know, four of your top five receivers, three, your top three receivers. It's just not going to go well, like period. Yeah. So that's why, as I thought more last night and some of the emotion from seeing the loss wore off, Scott, I just I just said, I don't know how much, like I get everybody's going to react to this game and the game was ugly. Yeah, I don't know how much we can project moving forward based off this game. Like right. there's not, a, the Bucks O-line, are they going to get whooped like every week? Yeah. I don't think. The large sample so. size tells us they're the best group Although in the I'm NFL. I'm concerned about the Panthers game. <laughs> <laughs> just from that perspective, just because the uh, and, and the Panthers and are unique too. They, they really speed are. rushers. That's yeah. You know, they're very totally different physical body types than the Saints. Like completely right. opposite, basically. Yeah. Um, and two speed rushers on the outside, but you got to watch the inside spin. So we'll talk a lot about that on Wednesday, obviously. But yeah, I just think the offensive line's gonna, for the most part, play way better than this. And you're yeah. probably not gonna drop seven passes in a game right. every week. And so and you're not gonna be without all your top weapons yeah. in the course and of a game, I, losing I, them in the course of a game. That's that's correct. different, right? Scott, like you've game yes. planned for these dudes to be in there. I don't care who you are, like right. it's hard to totally go to a new game plan when you lose three dudes in the middle of a game. No, you're right. And and at the same time, some of those shot plays, and we call them shots because Bruce Arians likes to take some deep shots. It's a vertical-based mm-hmm. offense, right? So some of these shot plays, uh, Scotty Miller probably didn't get a lot of practice reps in there for Mike Evans, right? Running right. running those shot plays that they were going to have in the game. So uh, a lot of this is you've got some guys playing second team or scout team that are now starting, right? And they're used to kind of playing, well, this is what the Saints are going to run on offense. And now all of a sudden it's, well, we need you to run our offense because – We've lost our, our two top starting wide receivers. The good news is, sounds like Richard Perriman's going to come back from the COVID protocol. Bruce Arians seemed pretty optimistic about that. So, again, John, as you said at the top of the show, Tyler Johnson in the slot, Antonio Brown at the, um, Z. At the, the Z receiver, and then you've got Perriman at the X, right? So that, that's – that looks yeah. like it's the starting uh, lineup right there. Yeah, and Scotty will probably split some. Well, Perryman, I guess, has played the Z too, so we'll yeah. see how they do it. I mean, AB's played plenty of X. He could honestly yeah. replace Evans in a lot of ways in this game because AB does play the X receiver position so well, right? And he's so good at getting off press coverage. So AB's versatility is a real asset here. He could play all three receiver spots and do really well. He's he's obviously not known for his blocking, so he's not going to be used in that right. way. But pretty much everything else you want him to do in terms of being a pass catcher. 
he can do. He can win down the field. Yeah. He can be press man coverage on the outside. You know, he just gives you a huge variety of, of ability at the receiver yeah. position. So what, could what be some versatile usage. Yeah, I was about to ask you this, yeah. Scott. Like, what, what about OJ? It's a weird. It's the weird mixture of things right now with OJ. He played ten snaps. Cam Brait played twenty, so they didn't even really use tight ends more after everybody went down. Right. Given how Cam Bray played, I'm not sure I disagree with that. Like it just kind of was like, damn if you do, damn if you don't type of situation to me if you're the Bucks. And obviously you want you, you know the Saints are gonna play the way they're playing with DBs on the field. Yeah. You you want to be able to put wide receivers out there because tight ends they're not just not gonna these guys aren't gonna be able to separate against those guys. So yeah, it was a huge problem. Bray was just terrible last night. OJ Howard looked like he had a pass go off his hands. We never saw a replay. He also looked yeah. like he was held on the play. So I'll see rewatching it and I'll be tweeting out a lot of clips. Believe me. Cause I, I see people on Twitter art. I've seen the PFF right. Tom Brady grades. And I just, again, like I, you want to talk about the fourth quarter. Okay. But like, I'm like talking about the first three quarters. Cause that's the process yeah. that you got there. Fourth quarter, yeah. everything's out the window. Defensive structure changes. Pass rushers are teeing off. Yeah. He's, right. He didn't play well in the fourth quarter, but like, I mean, Ultimately, that's, at the end of the day, you're exactly right, John. Wrong that, that's day. that's like looking at Keyshawn Vaughn and saying, "Oh, well, he had a 17 yard run in the game." Okay, well, yeah, yeah he was running against the light exactly box when right, the Saints yeah. were anticipating that yeah. he was going to, that Brady was going to throw the ball not hand it off in that situation. Right. And, and oh, so he had a great game because he had that 17 because he had a good average at the end of the game. No, right. like once no. again, you know, and this is what I for, for yeah. zero yards. This uh, is what drives me nuts in some of these situations, Scott. Like. If this isn't just football and this isn't just the Bucks. So I'm just using him as an example. But sometimes right. when a team loses something or like they lose Evans, for example, and Godwin in this game or whatever, or just in general, when a team plays poorly, the blame immediately goes to their best players. Right. Like, uh, the blame immediately, whether they were bad or not, rather than the worst players who had to play a bigger role and were good. <laughs> like I never understand that. Like, <laughs> Sometimes, like it's these are team sports. Like this, I yeah. mean, even the NBA is. Uh, who I'm a big fan of. It's a team sport, but it's a it little is. bit different in that, like, there's only five guys, so one guy can have more of an effect. But right. in football, like, it was the Saints game. Nobody wanted to talk about the fact that Joe Hag almost got Tom Brady killed in the first quarter of the game because he couldn't block anybody. Because yeah. it's not fun to talk about Joe Hag. Right. But like, if you're using common sense, the worst players on the field who probably are not normally on the you're field. Talking about, you're talking about the, the 38 to three game last yeah, year. Yeah, I'm talking about the, exactly guard, right. right. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. If you're using common sense and a team plays way worse than they normally play, yeah. it's probably not the best player on the team's fault <laughs> when other buddy, everybody else on the field hardly ever plays. Usually, it's probably yeah. those guys' fault. But we start with the conclusion that it's Brady's fault. Yeah. And then we're already we've already made up our mind before we look at things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's it's more likely it's, that it's Scotty Miller, Jalen Darden, and Tyler right. Johnson and, and even Rob Gronkowski in this game, yeah. Cam Brate's fault than it is Tom Brady's. That's right. just it's, like it's common perfectly sense. Perfectly fine to say, you know, Brady has not played well against the Saints. Sure. Right? It's, it's perfect, perfectly yeah. fine to say that. You can say he's got eight touchdowns and eight interceptions, you know, including two pick sixes, and not all of those were his fault. And he's winless against the Saints in the regular season. That's all fine and good, and that's real. But it's yeah. not all Brady. And there were right. so many contributing factors that led to some of those Brady poor performances. It's not right. Brady's fault he got sacked. Yeah, on, on especially some play. of the sacks in this game. And I heard Arians right. say, you know, there were some coverage things. Yeah, and I get that on maybe one or maybe one of the sacks in the in the fumble. You know, they, there wasn't a sack, but that's probably what Arians is thinking of it as. But a lot of the early sacks were immediate losses. I mean, right. immediate. The Bucks are driving, moving the ball. They're in a manageable third down, and Kappa gets beat immediately. Werfs got beat yeah. fast as we've ever seen him get beat, as bad as yes. we've ever seen him get beat. You know, that isn't common. That doesn't right. happen very often with this group. So, again, moving forward, I don't see – like, it's not – I'm not saying I have, like, all these sustainable concerns. Obviously, they're going to have to settle into a pattern without Godwin – but I do. It drives me crazy that we start with the best player in terms yeah. of attributing blame when there are clearly worse players on the field. Most of the time, when a team underperforms compared to their standard, it's the worst players on the field's fault, not yeah. the best player on the field's fault. And we never work that way in terms yeah. of being able to draw conclusions and things. Yeah. So I'm true. not picking on you, client 1958. Some some of the problems might be that coach. I'm not picking on on you. I'm just bringing this this point home. And I wrote about this in today's Bucks Monday mailbag. I, I hate the term recency bias. It just grates on me for some reason. But you know what? It's real. It is. I'm not denying oh, the phenomenon. It is. And all hate of a the sudden, fact it exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, Bruce Arians can't win any big any big games. And I went back and I said, hmm, okay, well, was that 38 to, to 
to 10 win against the Packers last year against uh, Aaron Rodgers. Was that a big game? Was it a big game when they won against Washington in in the the first round of the playoffs and the Bucs hadn't won a playoff game since 2002? Was it a a big game when they they finally beat the Saints in New Orleans 30-20? Was it a big game when they beat the Packers in a rematch in the NFC Championship game? Was that a big game? What about the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes and the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs? Was that a big game, right? I mean – all of those games count. All of those games are on Bruce Arians' resume, you know. And and so, yes, you can look and say, yeah, they haven't beat the Saints in the regular season. Okay. I mean, at the end of the day, did that matter last year? No, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't matter at all last year. What mattered was them beating the Saints in New Orleans in that big game. Now, is it going to matter this this game? Well, or this year, it might. Due to playoff seating and all that stuff, we might we might look back and and point our finger at this game and say, you know, woulda, coulda, or you could do that against the Washington football team, the woulda, coulda, shoulda there, or some of the earlier losses this year, the, the one in on Halloween in New Orleans, the one in, in L.A. week three, yeah. and you can play this game all, all you want. Sure. But to sit there and suggest that all of a sudden Bruce Arians can't win a big game when he's got plenty of – he's won more postseason games – in Tampa Bay than any other Buccaneer coach in history. And that includes John Gruden and Tony Dungy. All right. That's just a yeah. fact. You can right. Yeah. I, I totally dis- Yeah. I totally agree with you. And I totally disagree with people who say that. And it, again, I've go this into this every time the team loses. I just, I, it drives me nuts that we start from the, like the, the process of like, sh- should the coaches be fired? Like that just, we can't do this after every <laughs> loss people like this is craziness. Yeah. Yeah. Like they just won the Super Bowl. No one's getting fired. Like we can be critical, and I will be in my. I'll have a, an article coming out about Bruce Arians' fourth down decisions, which were egregious. I didn't talk about him enough, honestly, on the live stream because I was so pissed yeah. off at everything else that was happening. Probably, but he had just some egregiously bad decisions on fourth down, and that could be a problem. You know, that's he's not been good at that since he came over in terms of following the numbers since he's been the Bucks head coach. And that could be a problem that plagues him down the road. So we'll see. There are things I'll knock on. There are also obviously awesome things. And you can do this with every single head coach in the league. It doesn't matter who they are. You can talk about the positives and the negatives. Every fan base does it. But we don't have to do it while talking about whether guys should be fired or not. Like it's That's just right. and we don't have to like say and again buy love with some good things, some bad things in this game, some good things and some bad things. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to like can be like, oh, he sucks now that he had to coach a game without good players. You know, it revealed that he sucks. This was a pretty hard spot. Not a lot of guys are going to go into a game and lose right. their two Pro Bowl wide receivers and their top rusher and already have be down Giovanni Bernard. So he had no pass catching option. You heard yeah. Bruce Arians today. I thought it was a great question by you, Scott. You asked him about why Keyshawn Vaughn was in there instead of Ronald Jones late in the game. And he gave an honest answer. He said pass protection. That yeah. He just said it straight up. He said, and so you don't even trust your next back and pass protection. So you don't right. want to be predictable when he's on the field. And but Vaughn's your best option there, dear Lord. Like this is a hard wow. spot for a play caller. Like yep. in this offense, in this scheme, which is designed to you cannot change the entire scheme in right. the middle of a game. Like you just can't do that. Yep. So when you have to plug in players like Jalen Darden into these spots, and then on top of it, you get seven drops and probably three right. others that, in my opinion, you know, you'd like to see guys make tough catches in the situation. Yeah. Braden Gronkowski, you know especially, that's a hard spot for a play caller. It, it is. And the other thing too is you have to understand what's going through through Brady's mind when he's doing some of these these pre snap reads. John, okay, he's he does listen. Brady is a big trust guy. If you haven't figured that out yet, that's why Gronkowski, even though Gronk was struggling all night long in his matchup against Malcolm Jenkins for most of the game. That's why he got targeted 11 times. Okay. Yeah, and he got open some. He just – He did. Straight, I mean, he had three yeah. dro- straight-up drops, and then right. had another one, that tough one that was tipped by Davis, he could have pulled yeah. in, I thought. But and, yeah. and, the, and then there's some times where, where Jenkins was making a play and knocking the ball out, you know. Mm-hmm. But the yep. thing is, is the, the reason why he was targeted 11 times is because Tom Brady, even though Gronk from start to finish was having an off night, that's who he trusts. Okay. Yeah. That's why he got those targets. He doesn't trust Scotty Miller. He doesn't trust uh, Tyler Johnson to the degree he trusts Gronk or Evans or Godwin. Or he trusts him more. He doesn't trust Jalen Darden. Okay. Um, tried, to tr- trust, yeah. tried, <laughs> tried, tried to trust Jalen. Tried to. Yeah. Tried to. Three targets. No. Well said. Tried to. Yeah. Uh, but but see that's what I'm saying, John. It's it's like he's looking out there at that matchup on third and two, yeah. third and three, whatever it was, saying. I'm going to give this a shot. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Not like this one's going to Mike, you know, or this right, one's right. going to Gronk. This, I'm going to give this one a shot. Right. And so going into this game here in Carolina, you better believe Antonio Brown's going to get worked. Right? He is going to get a mm-hmm. workload. If, if he's only in there for 30 to 35 plays, as Bruce Arians is hopeful that he might be, he's going to get 10 targets in this game. <laughs> Every time that he's in. Gosh, did Arians say that? 30 to yeah, 35 30, plays? 30 to 35. Oh That's Lord. what he's looking for. So <laughs> Now, look, I'm, they've done this before. So I'm not going to freak out, but there's right. just no freaking way Antonio Brown can play just 30, 35 snaps. Oh, I agree with you. Godwin and Evans. I agree with you. But even if he does, John, he's getting targeted 10 to 12 times on those 30 to 35 plays. Whenever he's yeah, in the game, I mean, that's, that's where the ball is right. going. That's basically okay. what happened in the five games he was playing, and he got targeted like 10 that's times, right. and he, he that's right. barely played. So, so yeah, so they've got to accept a bigger role for yeah. him, or they're in trouble, though. Like, yeah. It's got to be AB. It's got to be Gronk. It's got to be... Rashard Perriman, those three guys, you know, it, it's, and then it comes down to trust and, and see when, when in this game, if you're Scotty Miller and you're trying to get back in the good graces of Brady and, and mm-hmm. Arians and get more playing time and he was forced into that, that extended playing time because of injuries last night, but you got to be able to do something. And if you don't, like, you're not going to get the ball. Brady is not going to throw your way, nor should he, if you're not going to make plays for him. Yeah, for sure. And uh, by the way, I know people are interested. Evans has 101 yards to go for another 1,000-yard season. So three games left. Will he play in all of them? Will he play in two? Will he play in one? We don't know. Well, yeah. we'll wait and see here. For, uh, appreciate the $5 super chat from Andrew here. When are we <laughs> signing Julian Edelman? Bruce Aarons did kind of address today, just said he doesn't think yeah. they're going to sign anybody. He's pretty happy with the group they have here. Obviously, if they suck the next three games, that could change. But right yeah. now, I, I, wouldn't expect, I wouldn't expect Edelman, period. But right. I wouldn't expect them to, to make any moves there. I know I saw some people on on Twitter saying, what's Larry Fitzgerald doing? And, you know, again, yeah. I, I don't expect any of that. Um, I, I, I regret to say this, John. It would be Cyril Grayson before it would be Larry Fitzgerald. That's God, true. That. Yeah, it's true though. I mean, hey, you're just reporting that you're just the messenger, oh. man. People can't shoot the messenger. That's what it is. But John, I think the tight ends need to step up though, Scott. Yeah, like I mean, it, when you go to those guys, they need to be more reliable than they've been. I, again, it's it sucks because he's an awesome dude and everybody likes him, but Cam Brace just not been good enough this season. Yeah. OJ's not getting an opportunity. I wouldn't say he's been horrible when he's been out there, but obviously I don't think Bruce believes he's fully recovered from that Achilles, uh, or at least not in his own head, maybe. Um, so It's kind of it's crazy, though, right? Because when you look at, at, at OJ, he was featured, John. Yeah. When, when Gronkowski was out, he was featured against the, the Philadelphia Eagles. He had six catches, seven targets in that game, six catches, seven targets, 49 yards, and a touchdown. They featured him on tight end screens, right? They featured him on that little – you know, misdirection play in the end zone. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder if if they don't try to to put some wrinkles in for this guy. And, and you know, I, I kind of criticized, and I think rightly so. I think you'll agree with me on this. This offense, Byron Lovich's offense, is not really designed to get guys open. It's to, it's designed more of a its vertical nature to you know to to have guys win one on ones. You know, and to get down the field. Um, and you know. You were in the dark there for a minute, John. I was, I was, you, cr- I was really crazy. I was really crazy. Light just went out on me. <laughs> yeah. Now you've seen the light. I so, have seen the but, light. But you know, you know what I'm saying though? Like, like it's yep. it's it's they don't use a lot of mesh concepts, a lot of rub routes to 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 create guys getting open. And I think mm-hmm. that's maybe one of the, the drawbacks and the flaws. But with OJ Howard, the one the one way they can scheme guys to get the ball is those screens whether it's a wide receiver screen or tight end screen so i wonder if oj is struggling to create separation is struggling in those one-on-one matchups if you don't go back to some of those plays like you did in philadelphia and see if you can't manufacture some touches with oj because the guy's six foot six i mean he catches the ball and falls forward if you got three yards just because of how tall he is you know yeah, no, you're right. I think that how the Bucks handle the injury yards. situation right. moving forward is is huge to me. Like the yep. the, the if people in the chat are right. The part of the criticism I think that's fair on the coaches, it didn't seem like these receivers were ready. Particularly, I mean, Johnson has just kind of struggled all year. But it, it, it's frustrating that Braid isn't more ready than he is. Darden didn't feel ready. You know, Johnson again, like technically, like he's. I would have hoped he would have been further along. Yeah couple routes in this game like he sits down it's an incompletion these are ones that don't show up as drops 
he sits down against man coverage in the middle of the field. It's zone. He should keep moving. Brady's throwing to where he should be moving to. He's not. Everybody sees that as an incompletion. You know, PFF grades it poorly. But that's what I'm talking about. When guys aren't on the same page with Brady and right. up here, like that's a problem. You know, there yeah. was an incompletion of Tyler Johnson deep in the Patriots game. He slowed it down and broke off his route when he should have kept going vertically, just messed up the read. And it's a touchdown, probably a long touchdown from Brady if he yeah. doesn't do that. And those are the kind of the hidden things that people don't see. And that's why I'm always saying, like, if you go to anybody for football analysis other than people who watch the game and the tape and rewatch the game and the tape, you're just missing out. Not because those people are always smarter. They've literally just watched it and seen what's happened. And most yeah. people have not because TV broadcast just doesn't show you everything. And so that's, that's where the, a lot of these hidden elements are to this thing. And so when Bruce Arians gets on, he's like, I'm disappointing the young guys. He's not just talking about drops. He's talking about the way they ran right. routes. He's talking about the exactly. fact that Jalen Darden Getting got open. completely yeah. stacked by Marshawn yep. Lattimore and couldn't get even by him when Brady's throwing the one-on-one vertical ball. That's a, that's a shot he's got to take in those situations, right. and Darden's not giving him a chance. And so um, that's what kind of stuff Arians is talking about. Yep. This has got to be better. We've talked a lot about the offense, Scott. I want to yep. talk about some about the defense too. Well, because before we do that, John. Yeah, I was, was going to say manscaped. Like that we do right, and All this right, is so. this leads us into the defense too in some ways. <laughs> it does. It's holiday season, and you don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you a win in this year's stocking stuffer or even white elephant competition uh, at your workplace. Manscaped is the leader in the men's below the waist grooming area, and you have. You, you probably know they've served over 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Okay, so get a get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code Pewter20. Oh, ho, ho, fellas, naughty or nice, it's the season to perform. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list. So, like, if, if your wife or girlfriend is looking for that last-minute gift for you, Tell her Manscaped and tell her to use the promo code Pewter20 to save 20% and get free shipping because the, the Performance Package 4.0 comes with the lawnmower body trimmer. This is the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, your body, and the Weed Whacker ear, hair, and nose trimmer. This is something that I use on the regular. There's no snags. Uh, it works fantastic. This alone is, is worth the purchase. Uh, if you're interested in doing the Manscaped thing, then you're going to definitely want oh, yeah. to have the lawnmower body trimmer. Don't forget, comes with great crop reviver, crop preserver uh, for your balls. Keep them nice and smooth, well polished, oh, yeah. and smelling good. And also, John, the Manscaped boxer briefs and the travel bag, which they call the shed. This mm -hmm. thing is worth the money alone. It's quality, and it holds all your Manscaped uh, goods in there. Uh, listen, the dads can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy it, and the women in your life will love you for it. So make sure that you make it a manscaped Christmas or holiday season. Get all of this package. Uh, these formulations that they use for the manscaped crop preserver and crop reviver are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, paraben-free, so you know the products are legit. We use manscaped at pewterreport.com. You should, too. Use promo code pewter 20 to save 20% off and also get free shipping. And last but not least, still have some of these t-shirts in stock if you want a Pewter Report t-shirt for free. This is the Pewter. We also have them in black and also in white. All you have to do is email me at srpewterreport.com, srpewterreport.com, with your proof of purchase that you'll get from Manscaped. That'll be an email. It will not have your financial information, which I don't need. It will have your address, which I do need to send you the free shirt. So when you send me that email at srpeterreport.com, hey, I took advantage of the special offer, and I got the, the weed whacker, I got the lawnmower, I got the, the performance package. Just tell me what color shirt you want, black, white, or pewter. It's gray. Mm -hmm. or, or I should say, and what size you want, and I'll send you that shirt for free. It's a bonus gift from our friends here at Peter Report to you. Yeah, it's great stuff. I love it. All right, let's get to Should we do these? We're ready to talk about our game balls here. We didn't yes. do it yesterday in the show. Let's so let's talk it. about it today. Uh, game okay. balls presented by Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Before we get to the actual awards, I want to just say defensively, this was a really good performance. And I know that the Saints suck on offense. So there's a tendency to dismiss that. And maybe that's yeah. fair. But, you know, they max protect a ton and they still 
kind of got pretty good pressure on Taysom Hill. Joe yeah. trying to I think had, I think PFF gave him like six pressures in this game. He only played he 26 snaps. So yeah. he was outstanding. Um, you know, Shaq Barrett had a handful of pressures and I'll, I'll just review the tape and see, you know, how effective all those were. Obviously Hill didn't you know, play very well. So obviously it made some impact on him. He's obviously not very good either. So that could impact things as well. But, yeah. you know, d- against the run, I mean, 31 carries for 61 yards. Levante David was just absolutely phenomenal in this game. You know, oh, this was a vintage David performance. Really was. And, and Devin White played pretty – missed the tackle early, but came back and played pretty well, I thought, through yeah. most of the game. So I, I thought, thought Devin White was solid. Well. I thought yeah. Levante David was spectacular. No, oh, he was outstanding. I mean, three tackles for loss. He had a sack. He – everything. He was just – he was terrific. Uh, he was the was, tone setter. Yep, didn't miss a tackle, you know. Yep. He's been, I don't think he's missed a tackle, by the way, since Arian said, wow, I can't believe he missed those tackles against, uh, <laughs> who was it? Uh, Colts game? Colts game, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, I don't think he's missed tackles since then. He He's playing at a really high level, and he's getting back to 100% from that injury. Now he gets this foot injury, and he missed the last five plays in the game. Nobody even mentioned his injury today, as far as I know. I, I don't, And no one, like Rappaport and Schefter haven't either, I don't think. Yeah, so, and uh, yeah. I, let's put it this way. Um you know, with these Zoom calls, we're at the mercy of the timing. Yeah, picking us uh, for for questions. I had a couple questions. I, you know, and the thing is, Arian said that Godwin had a torn ACL. The rest of the guys that kind of don't know about, they're still in the tube, which is his terminology for they're getting MRIs. Some of those guys won't get MRIs till later in the week, probably tomorrow, because of, of swelling. But we just don't know about Levante David kind of probe our sources and it's all quiet at, at one Buccaneer place at Ben Health training center. Yeah, for sure. So we'll just have to wait and see and same yeah. with Winfield. Like we just got a lot to learn this week. So again, keep it locked. PeterReport.com. We'll yes. have your stories going up there. Let's get to these game balls offensively. I actually thought about not giving one out because I don't think that it's really like applicable to anybody. Yeah. Um, especially cause I was going to give a tally Marped and now, you know, I want to see kind of, I saw PFF game a couple, two pressures and it's still best performance on the group, I think, but yeah, I just want to kind of see, wait and evaluate things a little bit more before I, you know, say somebody's good. That wasn't good uh, per se in this game. I right. mean, obviously we want to probably both give it to Ronald Jones, but you know, I do go back. Ronald, to Brady. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Catching both of your passes, Ronald? What are you doing? Yeah. Counting Brady was 71 yards. Come I think on. It, at one point, Brady went over and said, Ronald, what are you doing? Running out of bounds on That's second true. and two instead of trying to get the first down. What are you That's doing, right. Ronald? But That's right. It's always something with Ronald for sure. And so we'll see. Yeah. You know, and he said, I think he and Aaron, he's gas coming out on that third and one. And I don't know. But, it's, yeah. but I guess he was the most productive player out there in this game. But really, personally, I don't think anybody deserves it on offense. And then defensively, I would yeah. just say, uh, but I mean, oh, okay, let me do this. I'll say I'll give it to Chris Godwin, not, you know, he ended up leading them in receiving in this game despite being hurt <laughs> but in the first quarter or something. Um, yeah. And I'll just give it to him because he had a fantastic year. I mean, dude had 1,100 yards in, what was it, 13 games in a quarter? What am I thinking of that? Right? Yeah. 10 and four, yeah, 13 games in a quarter, like, the, you know, to get 1,100 yards. Yeah. Uh, almost caught 100 balls. I mean, his yeah, numbers, catches, his yeah. numbers in, in 13 games basically – are what most guys would hope to get in a year. Um, right. Just an outstanding season. He's everything that this team hoped he would be and hope yeah. he gets better, obviously. And and defensively, I'll go with Joe Dryanchoyinka uh, because I thought he impacted the game with a lot of his pressures in this game. And he won one-on-one and he played on the edge. Yeah. And in a time where Jason Pierre-Paul looks like he's uh, retired gosh. on the football field, I mean, I – I'm going to talk about it this week, yeah. probably in a standalone article. I haven't yep. delayed this. I've told you this. I've not yeah. tweeted out clips and not said because I don't want to disparage Jason Pierre-Paul. He's right. playing hurt, and but it's just ridiculous. I mean, he's playing 10 yeah. more snaps than Joe Trinchenka, and they aren't even in the same. Like, not, you only have them, snaps. a basic understanding of football. You watch the two guys, you'll be like, wow, what's this guy doing? And wow, why, this guy's is, right. is this guy one of the team's best players? Like. Yeah, I mean, I'm not being hyperbole when I say that. I just think that's how big the discrepancy is between the two of them yeah. right now. Yeah, and I I love Jason Pierre-Paul. Love his yeah. warrior mentality. I mean, I, I do not want to disparage the guy whatsoever. But, yeah. but honestly, with the Buccaneers, when, when they were playing him on some snaps, um, and when, when you were talking about, you know, 30, 40 snaps, it's like at least a third of those. that They're mm-hmm. playing with 10 on defense. Yeah. Right. It's... I mean, they, they just are. He's, he's just a bystander. And it sucks. It sucks for him because he doesn't want to have this, this shoulder injury. He wants to be more impactful. 
he just can't. And it's, and it's, he's hurting the team by playing, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is, you know, do you play Anthony Nelson, you know, uh, as yeah. have him come off the bench. I, I think they need to get to the point where they're playing Joe Tron Schwenka 50, 60 snaps a game. He, he just, he deserves it. Jason Pierre Paul, given the shoulder injury, he does not. His play is, is just awful on certain snaps. Absolutely awful. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a problem right now for them. Not that you your teams can only attack a defensive end so much. I think yeah. like so that part. It's not like he's a corner, and so that changes it a little bit. But he's basically just like they're just hiding him out there for a few snaps a game. I'll give you two examples in this game. Like yeah, you know, he could have made a play out to the perimeter, and he just doesn't even run. I don't know if his shoulder hurts so bad he can't even run. Yeah. He just doesn't even run. Like Jason Pierre-Paul not running to the football. Like that yeah. is unheard of. Like I've watched the guy's whole sure. career. And then there's a play where he's unblocked on the line of scrimmage. If you're unblocked on the line of scrimmage, you're supposed to, you know, you want to step down, obviously. You're end man on line of scrimmage. You want to step down and make sure there's not that gap between yeah. you and, and the player inside of you. He just doesn't even step down, like, or it's just so leisurely, like his, him stepping down is just really timid. And get, yeah. probably because he's going to get blasted in that shoulder by a puller, he thinks. Sure. So he's not stepping down hard and they just run inside of him for, for a decent gain of a couple. And, you know, that kind of stuff is just like, there's just nothing yeah. like and, and and the again, thing is, John, it, it's like, you know, that shoulder is not going to get any better until it's surgically repaired, but it can get worse in game. Right. And we saw, I think the very first series, Jason Pierre Paul actually kind of sheds a block and is in on a tackle with Levante David, you know, and it, who knows at that point in time, the shoulder with, within the game can go from bad to worse. Right. Just yeah. like that one play. And he, you know, he could be, okay, it's Sunday. I'm feeling it. And go out there and give it, you know, give it a whirl. And then all of a sudden something like that happens and just boom, you know, uh, he, he just, the effectiveness just drops down in game and that very well could be happening. But right. if that's the case, you got to tell the coaches and they got to make some adjustments. I mean, I'd rather see Cam Gill as the Disney pass rusher um, and have Jason or have Joe Tronchwink inside if they're still going to work that. And then on, on your base defense, have JTS out there rather than JPB. It's just time. Yeah, it is time, I think, and and they need to figure out a better plan. They need to be able to communicate with him, I think, and figure out a plan. If it means Cam Gill gets more snaps, I'm all for that. I want to see right. – I'd like to see Cam Gill more. But, again, you're talking about your number three guy. He doesn't have to play a ton. But if Nelson and Gill can shoulder together, you know, 12 to 18 snaps a game and JTS can play more, you know, I, I just think that's the answer rather than trying to do this with Pierre Paul over and over again because – you know, defensively, they're not going to be challenged that much by the end of the season. They need to dominate the next three games, especially with the offense hurting and trying to get people healthy. Like, there's going to be a lot of pressure yeah. on the defense. So, having one week link out there, especially when it means that you, one of your more effective players in JTS isn't out there a lot of this in a lot of those situations. Right. You know, playing just 26 snaps the other night. Like, come on, yeah. like against yeah. the Saints. Like, <laughs> I think that is a big part of this too for the Bucks that they need to they can improve that part of their team just by playing it more. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, if you want to improve your finances, John, is only one place to go. That's our friends at Amuni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow today aim uni financial plan ahead stay ahead all right john everybody let's say it all together got to get to colorado man how are you going to do it how are you going to get that vacation planned how are you going to get your kids through college well call our friends at immunity financial managing your family's wealth means more to immunity financial than simply allocating your assets it means legacy planning brokerage and advisory services retirement accounts college savings accounts and insurance services with over 40 years of experience in the Tampa Bay area, let my good friends, Mark and David over at Muni Financial, help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Call Muni Financial at 1-800-868-6864 or visit amuni.com. It's a free call, a free consultation. Meet with Mark and David and all of the staff over there at Muni. I've got a lot of my personal assets in accounts at Muni. I've been thrilled with the fantastic results they have produced. Speaking of produce, John, it's time for my game balls mm-hmm. presented by Manscaped. 
I'm going to go with production in this game. Um, I was kidding a little bit about Ronald Jones when I say, well, he caught both of his passes because he's yeah. not exactly the most effective guy in the ground game. But I am going to give it to Rojo because, listen, they're going to need Rojo to really step up, not just on first and second downs, but after watching Keyshawn Vaughn really kind of crap the bed in the passing game with uh, with with him falling down on one play, dropping a, oh a pass gosh. from Tom Brady on another. Yeah, I'm not sure he's your best passing downs option, Bruce. No. <laughs> it's time to give Rojo a chance uh, back on, on third downs because you don't have Giovanni Bernard, you don't have Leonard Fournette, so it's time. Uh, and listen, I think Kenyon Barner is probably going to be groomed to take some snaps this week too. He might be an option on third down. I think they're really going to you know, put some of these guys – through the works, Darwin on, uh, Thompson too. I like Darwin Thompson coming I've, to college. I did too. I kind of probed some sources. Good, <laughs> I, I don't think he's going to come up, but uh, we'll see if he's an option. Dang. But I'm going to go with Rojo just because he was the most productive runner. Uh, he he needed this game, I think, to kind of help get him mm-hmm. mentally prepared for being that running back. And that's one thing Bruce Arians said today, John, was you know this is kind of a role reversal, right? It's it, this was Leonard Fournette taking over for an injured Ronald Jones down the stretch in the playoffs. Now it's Ronald Jones's turn to flip the script and become that starting running back, and uh, and really take the reins of this. And you know, Rojay had a great game at Carolina last year. They're going to need a similar type of performance. He didn't have to get 196 or whatever he had, but 100 yards from Rojo on the ground would would, would be great for yeah. the Buccaneers on Sunday. So I'm going to go with with Rojo there on the offensive side. Um, you know, I'm a defensive minded guy, John. I like the defensive line. You already took J- JTS. But I said this in our group text last night. Levante David was the best mm-hmm. defender on the field. He yep. had a game that really reminded me, very splashy game, those tackles for loss, the sack, reminded me of, of Levante David in his prime. Not the 30 year old Levante who's been a steady Eddie, um, but a guy that's really splashy. And I, he needs to kind of catch some fire. If he, if he can get healthy from this foot injury, and we'll see if it's going to keep him out this week or if he can return or if he's, you know, after the year. I hope that's not the case because I thought Levante David might have had his best game of the season against Saints last night, John. He did, yeah. And it's funny, you know, teams run 31 times against you. It's amazing how linebackers can show up in a positive <laughs> way. And I think that's one of the struggles with evaluating the box is that you're talking about yeah. a team that gets run on so little. And when they that's do, true. it's a lot of time from nickel and dime, and it's so much harder for linebackers to defend in those situations, especially with the way the Bucks deploy them, kind of dropping them out at the snap. And it, it, I just think that the splash plays are a little bit harder, other than sacks. As pass yeah. rushers, they're well, still there. The but. other thing, too, is, is with Levante's role is that kind of weak side coverage linebacker, especially when they're nickel coverage. Mm-hmm. A lot of times he's erasing a tight end, right, where he's erasing a back coming out of the weak side of the formation. And so just because the quarterback doesn't throw to the tight end or doesn't throw to the back or maybe even doesn't throw to that inside slot receiver on the weak side of the formation and allow Levante, David, an opportunity to pick off a pass or knock it down or force a fumble, um, doesn't mean he's not doing his job, right? That's the thing. Sometimes if if you're Levante, David, and and you're just – you're blanketing your guy, you're not getting – any of those splash plays, they're because they're not coming your way, and that's a good thing. That's that may not show up on the stat sheet, but it's showing up in the attaboy column uh, when the coaches go back and grade the film. Right, for sure. And so, yeah, they'll need uh, a lot of contributions from everybody. I think we've talked about this at length, and we'll wrap up the show with this. But just the secondary, what it's going to look like, Scott, moving forward, we just don't know. Oh, no. We don't know what's happened with Jamel Dean. We don't know what happened with Winfield. Like, yeah. there's just a lot of unknowns. And so we're just going to – that that in the receiver group right now, totally up in the air. The Panthers are yeah. the second-ranked pass defense in the NFL this season in terms of yards allowed per game at least. Yeah. Um, this is so, not going to be an easy game. Not with not these for the offense. No. This is no. not going to be an easy game. This is going to be – now, the great thing for the Buccaneers, they win this game, they win the NFC South, and they guarantee yeah. – at home playoff games. So there's a lot on the line. Folks, I know it's Christmas week. I know we're in the midst of the holiday season here. But do us a favor. Make sure that you tune in for Wednesday's podcast. And make sure when you're doing that, and you can even do it today, subscribe to Peter Report TV's YouTube channel and also hit the like button. That helps us with our algorithm. Mm-hmm. It allows more Buccaneer fans to find out about our content on YouTube, which is important. Peter Report TV, hit the subscribe button and like. And stay tuned to Peter Report 
Buccaneers.com all week long because this is a critical week for the Buccaneers. A lot of injury news happening. John, you got your, your Bucks briefing column coming out. Yeah. Um, we're going to have a lot of content this week all the way up to Christmas. So make sure you are, are checking your phone, dialing in to PeterReport.com. Mm-hmm. This is a critical week for the Buccaneers with a lot going on. Yeah, for sure. And we'll uh, have you covered as best we can here, as we always do. We appreciate everybody jumping in here. Wednesday show will be a fun one. We'll start looking ahead, turning the clock forward. But until then, make sure you keep it locked because there's going to be lots of great content on the YouTube channel and on the website as well. So we appreciate you all. We love you all. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you again on Wednesday on another edition. John, Peter, John, John, yes. if, if I could real quick, I just wanted yes. to uh, give a quick shout out. This is going to be a tough day for me because I lost my mom last year, um, but uh, lost my mom this Today's her birthday, so she would have been 79 today. Judy Dunlevy is a huge Rondé Barber fan, huge Peter Report fan. And so I just wanted to give a little love and shout out to my mom on her birthday. I miss her terribly, and I miss these chats after her Bucks games because she was a really big fan. Yeah, she would have been. I'm sure therapeutic for you after the, yeah. the loss on uh, Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that for sure. One was one we were for trying sure. to talk through ourselves at one in the yeah. morning on the podcast. So no doubt, uh, beautifully said for sure. And like I said, we appreciate everybody with the support always coming in here and great stuff to say, great comments to make and uh, giving us consistent time and attention on the pod for sure. And appreciate your kind uh, comments as well uh, down there for Scott. Uh, much appreciated as well. And we'll catch you again on Wednesday on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.